0: Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, she's originally from Zimbabwe and she's receiving a BA in biology, and uh, she was an intern here at ESA. And we just recently found out uh, that Tenda was accepted to Columbia University on full scholarship, and now she was just accepted to Cambridge University on full scholarship. But she's waiting to hear from the best university. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, and and Tatenda was here for about six months, she helped us a lot, she was an intern, and she was working on issues of anti-Semitism and racism, the intersection of it. And it was really a privilege that she was here with us, and um, it's amazing how, you know, people are open-minded, she sort of came in. To a center on anti-Semitism, and she, within I think 24 hours, fit right in. It was really a, a pleasure to have her. Mm-hmm. And when people are open-minded and open to new situations, you know, you uh, you can really benefit. And you know, I think, the benefit we've benefited from having her. And um, you know, there's, a, there's actually a Jewish uh, ethical, uh, I guess, teaching that says that um, if we're all created in the image of God. Right, we're all, we all have a truth, and the only way to wisdom is to be open to other people's truths. So when we're racist or sexist or anti-Semitic as we're here now, we cheat ourselves. Because if I'm sexist, then I have 3 billion or 4 billion, I miss out on 3 billion opportunities to gain wisdom. If I'm racist against people of African descent or Asian descent, I've also lost 2 billion possibilities to become white. So we cheat ourselves. And uh, snow is really uh, wonderful having you here, and you brought us wisdom. And uh, I'm happy that you're embarking on greater successes. I'm sure Tatela is going to emerge as a, a leader in the near future. So she already is. <laughs> so welcome. All right, and you. And I'm, I'm going to be a bit rude, but I have to cut out early. So it's not. I'm not walking out on what Tatela's going to tell us.
1: All right. Good afternoon, everybody. I hope you don't mind. I'm probably going to sit down. And I think everybody can see from here.
2: And, um, should I sit down stand up? What are you no, like that.
1: You to I guess I'll be sitting down. down. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so happy to be here. I'm glad um, everything that Charles was saying. It was an awesome experience to come here. And um, truly, I learned so much being at the center for the six months I was here. Um, coming into the Center for Satenam Jenny, coming from Bennett College for Women, um, coming to YISA, which is something anti-Semitism was. The first time they're like, you're going to this um, Center for interdisciplinary Study of Anti-Semitism, and it's like, yay, but I really need to figure out what all this means, like the history that's within it. It was so much, so intense for me before I came, but I, was, I fell in love with the Center and everybody here, and I'm glad to be back. Um, so the title of my topic, as you can see, is Concerns About Mothers, How Divisions in the Baby boomer Generation Affect the Contemporary Feminist Movement, The Role of Racism and Anti-Semitism. Um, it will be a short topic, and I hope you guys will enjoy it, and it will be great to hear what you guys think about it. Why Feminism? So that's the big question. Why am I focusing on feminism or relating um, anti-Semitism and racism to feminism? As I said, I come from Bennett College for Women. So Bennett College for Women, for those who might not know, is one of two historically Black colleges for women in the United States. They Spelman College and Bennett College for Women. So even though we might not be, we might not identify as being feminists, it's like a college that empowers Black women, empowers women of color. So this is something that is always, was always within me. So when I came here, it was get a topic that. I may relate to and related to anti-semitism also. So feminism was the one thing that automatically that I identified with. Even though when I first came I didn't totally call myself a feminist, but I identified with the feminism of women of color from my school from around the world. I'm also from Zimbabwe. So that's another thing that women getting, um, empowering women in my, in my country of Zimbabwe. So that's why I was first drawn to um, feminism. Oops. So, um, so the topic was um, the contemporary, like, what's how the baby boomers generation affected the contemporary feminist movement. So, before I even get into it, I just want to give you like a brief history. For most of you, do know the history of feminism, but a brief history of feminism and where it began and where we are now, or what we call the contemporary feminist movement. So, this is. I'm mostly f- focusing on the uh, feminist movement in the United States. And I'll, fo- I'll try and touch on a global feminist movement, but then focusing basically here. So it's, the first wave was the suffrage movement, which is the 1860s to 1920, which is the women in the United States, um, they desired to gain the right to vote. That was what it was. Uh, women wanted to vote, and they were not being able to vote. And in the 1920, they did get finally got the right to vote. The second wave um, was the Women's Liberation Movement, which is the movement that I'm basically going to be talking about, which is the, women, uh, the movement of the baby boomers. So the movement of, I'll call my mom's, my mom's movement, that's why I say concerns about mothers, because this is the movement that my mother, even though she's in Zimbabwe, this is the movement of the people, my mother's age group. And my mentors, a lot of my mentors who are feminists, that's their age group, mothers and grandmothers, so that's why I'm concentrating here. And their um, focus was equality in pay um, quality and education, job opportunities, reproductive rights, rights to abortion—you you know everything that happened in the feminist, that feminist movement. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was uh, that was the feminist, the second wave of feminists, um, and then this, and we move on to the third wave. Um, I don't know if we should call it. That's why I put I didn't. I should have put a question mark there. Should we call it third wave or contemporary feminist movement? I'm calling it contemporary because there's so much things about third wave. and There's third wave. They very that actually exist, and um, people are concerned with the wave system and exclusion of other women, like the the slave trade, the women and the um, uh, women enslaved women. So I'll just say the contemporary feminist movement. And what is the third wave? What is third wave feminism? Third wave feminism is the feminist movement that involves my age group. So the millennials. So maybe after, let's say, from Generation X to the millennials, we are the feminist movement that is almost does the third wave movement really exist? I think it's almost non-existent, and that's those are the sentiments you'll hear from a lot of um, baby boomers, those prominent feminists from that um, from that age that. Is there a third wave feminist movement? Do these people really exist? Are they really doing anything? <coughs> so that's that's my age group. Do young women identify with the label feminist? So the young women in the room. <laughs> do you consider yourselves feminists?
3: <laughs> no. <I don't.
1: laughs> and if you if you don't why well, like Lauren, do you consider yourself a feminist?
2: Sure. I, I mean, I don't actively, I don't actively like protest anything or, but but yeah, I mean, I, I would
3: stand up for women's rights. I've never been involved in an
4: actual movement, though.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: I would be reluctant to call myself a feminist, but this is because of very negative connotations mm-hmm. this term has in Poland, especially. Mm-hmm. We, we are a young democracy, we are just learning. And Feminism was never an issue in Poland. Uh, just for the last 10, 15 years, it started to be one. And the feminists, which we have now in Poland, are extreme. And they're going too far in their claims, demands, and maybe not even claims, but because they're fighting for, for for good reason. But, um, they are radical they they call for the uh, actually exclusion of men from the political scene and, yeah. uh, so um, so I kind of, uh, when, when someone says well I'm feminist that you have this whole big negative picture of this person so this would be my reason for not associating myself with the with the, with the name but with the ideas that's for sure also,
5: Mm-hmm. and that in Poland feminism is associated with Can lack you of... speak a little louder. Mm-hmm. sorry i Thank would you. say that in poland feminism is associated with lack of femininity yeah but yeah. it's more yeah. cultural yeah. it's not as political and legal it doesn't have the associations with the fight for the yeah. rights so even if we say of course we are for the equality of women and men the term feminism mm-hmm. would not be appropriate yeah. because of our. So you wouldn't, wouldn't I would wouldn't say I'm a feminist no. And Although she is one. She
1: is. <laughs> and the guys in the room, do you
0: identify as feminine? I think so. I, I, my mother was very active in 1975, it was the UN Year of the Woman, and she was one of the organizers in Montreal, so she educated me. I think.
1: I mean, as long as uh, the just demands of the second wave, like equal pay, mm-hmm. equal education, and whatever, are not being met, of course I consider myself a feminist. So. Oh. So, I mean. So, but then that's. Um, it was interesting, as I said, thank you, everyone for your comments, uh, coming from my school. And we had a conference, this is like before I asked my friends around the place, and most of my friends were like, I don't identify with feminists, it's just really crazy. These women, they're like, hate men, and we love men, and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And someone, like, I'd rather be, like, you know, the womanist that was introduced. I'd rather mm-hmm. consider myself a womanist and include all aspects of the, the black female, including her family and everything, but hardly do you get people saying that they're feminists. There are very few students would actually say they're feminists. But a, couple, a week ago, we had a conference, and we're talking about just something. really. We were talking about um, uh, women being sold, uh, like, in modern day slavery, basically. And they were saying, they, they, we, we have, like, a program at school where everybody sits, every single, like, the whole school is basically the small, school is really small. So it's, like, between 600 and 700 students. So there were, like, 300 students. It's, like, they ask a the question, how many of you consider yourselves feminists? This is an all-women's college, and I was the only person who stood up.
3: <laughs>
1: and then they asked us again, how many of you consider yourselves feminists? So my friends were kind of supportive of me, stood up, and like two other people in the room. And they said, uh, for those people who consider themselves feminists, um, can you tell us why you're feminist? And everybody sat down. <laughs> so it's like there's this reluctance. That's what I'm talking about, this reluctance of being called a feminist. And I don't think there's anything wrong with being a feminist, um, but there's this reluctance from the younger generation of being called feminist. Even though a whole lot, like Alex would say, that a lot of things, or, or Lawrence said, a lot of things that we do, we are acting as feminists. We're mm-hmm. pro women's rights. We're concerned <coughs> with the, uh, what's happening with women all over the world, and we'll do anything to help. But very few of us are reluctant of this label of feminist. And um, that's what a lot of the older feminists that I I, I talk to, like my mentors who are feminists, will be talking to me about how we are, why is the feminist movement dead? We are non-existent. They were not doing anything that was supposed to be done. And so now my, in this uh, research I was doing, I was like trying to figure out why are we as young feminists or young girls or young women reluctant to identify with feminism. And, um... These are some some reasons why being a feminist is unpopular today. I know these ladies say, didn't say, will say some of it, but then um, a desire to avoid identification with radical feminists. Like, yeah, all men should, I'm just joking, they don't say that. But all, (laughs) like, um, just, like, real radical stuff. Like, we should, men, women should be in charge of everything, and men, less hate, like, not hate men, but then it's like, that's what, that's what the younger feminists would get and uh, rejection of a separatist-oriented political strategy, like women on one side and males on the other side, and everything you say, you no, know, you're, um, you're being sexist, you're being sexist, you're being sexist, and sometimes you're just like, we don't want to identify with that, because we do love our men, we do like our young men and everything, but then that's not the reason. And of course, the, the label of a feminist. I wish I had a picture in here, that people think of the first thing they think of feminists, feminists are shrill, overly aggressive, man-hating, ball-busting, Selfish, extremist, deliberately unattractive women with absolutely no sense of humor, like mad all the time,
3: and you never see
1: it. Yeah, <laughs> and when you see it, it's not. It's not the. When you think of feminists, you're not thinking about young, beautiful, doing everything. is just mad, like. Why? Why is this, is this the, the image that we as a young feminists got from the feminists? And I'm, I'm really, I really respect, like before I, I knew a bit about the feminist movement, but then after research, I really respect what these women did. They stepped out, joining together like with different, from different groups and saying, okay, this is it, we're, we they have been saying things about this, we're going to do something about it now. But then it's now what, what we got from it, the legacy is like of disruption of separate, um, separate, people separating in the movement, and it's just like a hate of the feminist women, and that's why I was um, looking at it. So I was looking at the separations, and the, um, why we don't want to identify, or maybe one of the problems that could be there is to be separations in the second wave, or in the second wave movement. So I'll say that I was looking at the liberation movement, which is the second wave, and a little history, i already said about it, it's like women, the first formation of the National Organization of Women, and this organization was not, was not initially was not separated it was like all the women came in if you see the, the, in the uh, first uh, founders of the organization there was a man there there was um, <coughs> Jewish women there's African American women there was um, Chicano women it was like women joined together and then they had a common this was the closest of all friends and they joined together with a common, common, common goal of equality for women we're work, working for the liberation of women but then a few years within, this is like the 1960s, by the 1970s, there was so much separation and division in the movement that in the end it's like, it's kind of frizzled off in the 1970s. Even though it, it does exist, feminist movements now are still there, do it, but then there was like so much tension that exists. And uh, the first tension was, of course, the um, the women of color separating themselves, saying that the, the whites, or the white middle class, <laughs> Movement, white middle class, Christian movement. They only were concerned with issues that affected women, uh, white women. It was like they were, they had what they had was white privilege, even though they were saying they were um, uh, they were discriminated against because they're women. But the the women of color, the Chicana women, are saying, but you don't you don't have double oppression. You're not you're not Mexican. You're not Latino and and a woman, you're not black and a woman, you're not Jewish and a woman, you're just a white woman, and you're the one, these are the women who are, they say, are in charge. And they, 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 this is, of course, the white women in the country are more than, than the, were more than the minority groups, and they were the ones more in, the, in these organizations. So the women, first of all, there was the uh, formation of the Third World Women's Alliance. And I was reading a, a book, uh, the, This Bridge Called My Back, this is uh, poems and anthologies from women of color, and it was just really crazy how much these women really felt there was this movement separated themselves, this movement that was supposed to be for all women, and they're like, no, it's like a a white women's movement. So there was the formation of coalitions. Okay, okay, fine, this is one, maybe maybe, maybe you needed coalitions, and there was a separation. And some separations and coalitions were formed with black Jewish coalitions. And these were pretty strong. like the, you might not know that Jewish women were involved in, a lot of, in the civil rights movement. A lot of Jewish women were prominent in the civil rights movement. And when they left, they were, of course, were always supportive. There was, there was this um, history of shared oppression between uh, women of color, specifically black women and Jewish women. So there was that understanding that was there. But later on, they, this came, this uh, identity politics raised by the Kambahean Remo Collectives with Barbara Smith and all, where the women are, it's identifying by yourself, you're, you're focusing on your own oppression. This, is, this led to divisions and separations between the black women and the Jewish women in the movement. And these were like the harshest, I haven't seen so much writing and so much backlash from black and Jewish women about why there were so many separations. and. Um, some of the reasons will be, of course, uh, the black women are saying, "Well, the Jewish women are still white; they still have the white privilege, the white middle-class um, uh, women did have in the movement." But and that was always that, even even to till today, I, I'm not going to say this ended up in the in the women in the movement because I still have black feminists I call my mentors, and when you talk about issues of anti-Semitism. It's like none exists. It's like you're, why, why are you focusing on things that don't affect you? This is not, this is not you. You're a black woman and everything. There was like a separation of I'll focus on my own identity and they can focus on their own identity. And of course the, the, the Jewish women who have been in support of the black women through the civil rights movement and everything are now saying, um, why? Why are, you, uh, why are you pretending like the, the Jewish women became, like they're saying it's, they were invisible. They had double oppression, too. They were Jewish and they were women, but their oppression was invisible. And the black women failed to um, acknowledge their op- oppression. Um, you have uh, talk, people talking about uh, the black women hankering down on their own oppression and not realizing the oppression of other women. And this, this, this led to like a whole lot of backlash, which, as I say, is still existent today. And I think that's one of the reasons that, um, that has been a legacy that has been passed on to our generation of feminists. I'm not going to say that there's a specific hatred between the Jewish feminists of my generation and the black feminists of my generation, but this history of uh, of separation, this history of forming coalitions and divisions ended up with our feminist movement, of the feminist movement in the 1960s and 1970s, frizzling down before, they still so much, as, as Holger said, how he identifies with the feminist movement now, he can call himself as feminist now, because the issues that are there, are, were there then, are still there now. What the what has just been done is like legislation, and then it's all theory, like, okay, women have got the right to vote. Women do vote. Women have got the right to um, to be elected and uh, officials and everything, but how many women are actually there? How, what is actually being implemented of what happened? So that's what I'm saying, that's this, that I don't know if... Maybe this is my theory, if this movement, if women could have looked beyond the separation that they have or the little, or be more understanding. There's no reason why a black woman would not understand the history of, uh, um, of, of an, a Jewish woman in the, in the same maybe I'm, I might not understand maybe this is some things that you might you know, the older feminists might may be able to make me understand why they wouldn 't understand that this is a, the history of the Holocaust and the history of the slave It might not be the same, but it 's coming from the same base' the same basis of oppression that that they the women or the the same groups felt, but then we never failed P- women fem- we failed to be failed to be as they say women first before anything, and that 's what... I think feminism was about. First of all, be a woman before, like, be identify with a woman before anything else, and look beyond all these differences that we may have to make uh, our feminist movement successful. Um, this is a, something that Babersman said, identity politics, and of course identity politics was like focusing your own oppression. It may be helpful and beneficial if used when oppressed groups use their experience of oppression as a spur of activist political work harmful when its primary emphasis has been to ex- explore and to celebrate and suppress identity within a women's movement context rather than developing practical political situations, solutions for confronting oppression in the society itself. So this is talking about how identity politics, maybe it was, I don't think there's, there, there is something wrong in, in, in focusing on individuals' oppressions in the feminist movement. There's no, there's no harm in focusing on the individual oppression of Jewish women, and the individual oppression of black women, and the individual oppression of Chicano women that existed in the feminist movement. But it's like people neglected the feminist part of it, and were basically focusing on my oppression because of my skin, my oppression because of my religion, my oppression. They forgot, forgot the main goal. So that's why I'm saying that identity politics was right. It seemed really great, but then people forgot the main goal that they were focusing on in the, um, in the feminist movement. and. Now, how does this affect our feminist movement today, and how relevant is the feminist movement today? Now, as I said before, the feminist movement, hardly is non-existent. You can hear um, feminists like, prominent feminists like Phyllis, just I had a conversation with her where, where are you, young feminists? Like, she wrote a whole book, where are the young feminists? What, what are you doing? We're not hearing about you. You're, you're quiet, you're not as radical as before. And, well, some of the reasons that I might not have said before is like, uh, besides the whole separation that might have happened in the past is we're trying to live up to this greatness that the former feminists have that we might never ever be able to live up to. These are the people who fought for abortion rights, the people who walked into the streets and everything that we might even up to. Maybe that's, might, that might be one of the scary things that we might have to live up to but then that's, that's why we're not non-existent. But it's really, re- it's still relevant in our um, in our society today, as I said, I I was saying before that they they did you the all the feminists did fight for the rights for the women. They did all this stuff. However, is the implementation of actually what was what was what was there? I was talking to um, Alex last night, and we we're talking about uh, like let's say for example the Obama election and Hillary Clinton.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Did we um, was Obama elected into office because he is? is rather a, a elect a black man than a white woman or just a woman into office. That might not be the reason. Maybe there might never be, have been other reasons, but then would you, was it like in the whole framework with the uh, the experience that Hillary Clinton had and the background that she had, Would did people end up focusing on Obama because he was the male and not the female? And did, female did female ever think of the what the importance of having a female as a president? Women are also, actually still scared of the thought of women in a position of power like that. Uh, as I said, I'm always going back to my school, where a, a school of all black women, where, they call us voting school, we call Binnen Bells, we're the bells of the South. And mm-hmm. basically the whole school goes to vote. When voting comes, council election, we call and Bells or voting bells. People always come to our school and campaign because they know the whole school Okay, well, we'll say 94% because they're international students. Everybody else, the school closes shuts down for voting polls. And I think out of that 96% that might have voted, 94% voted for Obama. So was it the reason, because he's a, a, a black male, and why not Hillary Clinton? Uh, were, we, were we thinking about the effects of uh, electing a woman into power or not electing a woman into power? So that's what I'm saying, that there's so many things that keep on coming up that we might have thought that might have been finished in the second wave, but are still affecting our movement now. It might still affect us in the future. And so many things are subtle. It doesn't, it might not seem the same. uh, How we can have, oh yeah, you want equality in in your workplace where you can have a boardroom of 30 people with one woman. Okay, there's a woman involved, but what is she supposed to do when she's the only one involved? And we're the people who are actually getting into these positions. We're the younger feminists who are getting into these positions. And it's not, it's not, the, the work is not totally finished. But I feel like it's, it was all, its kind of fizzled down along the line. And they expected to pick it up from where it was. And we, I think there's almost all this history and legacy that was brought upon us that we might not be able to deal with. That we might need our mother's and our, the baby boomers' help to kind of, to push us up a little bit. Like give us a little nudge to get us where we need to get. But then there's, I feel that there's still this history. There's, there's always, like, when I when I talk to them, like, especially i would say to so most people I talk to is like, the black feminists. They still always, you'll never understand. You'll never understand the the whole Jewish thing. Oh, look at uh, uh, Bella Abzug and Shirley Chisholm relation. How she left her, and she thought they said they were supporting black women, but she did not support it. But is it is it possible to look back in our history of all the separation and, and I don't know if forget about it. But then can we come together so we can give it a nudge for the future that's coming up for the women who are, for the feminists of my generation? And of course, a, a need for a global feminist movement. I don't know if you are here when um, Phyllis Chesler was talking about what's happening, like, globally with Sharia law and women being affected. And I'm from Zimbabwe, there's, there's so many things that are affecting women. This might not be an American thing, it might be subtle, but I feel like the feminist movement has to be stronger now. So it's not only affecting American women, it's women from all over the world that they need the efforts of all feminists. However, we, I feel we're still divided from the issues that happened in the past. So that's why I think the um, feminist movement is still relevant today. And this is a, a quotation that from one Lord that I felt uh, is really, really important. And it says, you do not have to be me in order for us to fight alongside each other. I do not have to be you to recognize that our wars are the same. What we must do is to commit ourselves to some future that can include each other and to work toward that future with the particular strengths of our individual identities. We are not the same. I'm a black female. I'm going to be working with a white Jewish woman. I'm going to be working with a, a Hispanic woman. I'm going to be working for the issues. I'm not thinking now. It's like the, with globalization. I'm not thinking about Tatina's individuality as a Zimbabwean woman and working for the rights of Zimbabwean women, but the for the rights of women globally. We might not be the same, but it, is it possible to work towards looking up, looking, thinking, and and. Uh, aware, aware of how our differences, working towards the rights of women and what we can do for the future. And I think right now um, it's probably looking back, you know, in my mother's generation, I don't know if they can mend things. I feel like there's still this separation, there's still all this blame of why, what happened. I'm not saying the feminist movement was very successful. Very, The liberation movement was very successful, but then we just might need that that joining back together that we can give us, as I say, a little nudge in the, in, in the contemporary um, Feminist movement and some things that I thought of working working against the negative stereotypes that are associated with feminism today. And I feel like uh, the as we, we talked about this, the stereotypes that are there, getting getting more women, getting more young women. I I I would love for the women, the older women in here, being mentors to young feminists. Getting rid of this the stereotype that feminism is. I, I wanted to write where my little button that say this is what feminist a feminist looks like. Because very few girls of my age would go up and stand up and say this is what a feminist looks like without being labeled, like on my campus being without being labelled uh, ugly or um, lesbian. There's nothing wrong with being lesbian, but then you're automatically being given all these stereotypes and labels that should not be there. Can I be a a young woman who wants to be a feminist without all these stereotypes? So this is the way forward: working against the negative stereotypes that are associated with feminist, concentrate on the issue of the rights of women. So the thing that might have been, as I said, issues that might, the the liberation movement might have put in legislation that have occurred, working on towards executing it, how can our generation, Learn or get the legacy from our, the older generation and work towards it today, and including men in the movement. So that's why I asked the guys, are you a feminist? I read an article um, from the website called The Roots, and it says why I am a male feminist. It's, it's really, really cool. I, I, if you can go and look at it, it's like, it's a, it's, a young, it's a young African-American man, and he was talking about why he is a male feminist. And if more males can understand the goal. I guess that comes with removing the stereotype, removing these separations and divisions, and working together. That more males can understand why, what we're, we're fighting for. Then we can work towards uh, mm. equality for women somewhere in the future. And um, people like Tim, Tim Wise, and everything. That's that's what we need more of in in the future, and what we need in our feminist women. So hopefully that um, the the legacy of separations and quarrels and divisions in the Second Wave Feminist Movement can be resolved, or there can be some working together to improve the feminist movement today, and thank you for listening. I
2: wanted to comment, um, in the late 60s, early 70s, there was a movement, a black movement to, uh, to. Acknowledge that they are also human, that they, that the black is beautiful to movement. And I think that that was an important process for African Americans. Um, but I do think that um, beyond that, I think the, there was, the, there seemed to be this need um, eventually, but I don't think it was. Until the late '70s or early '80s, I don't know if those, you know, '70s and '80s when um, there was a much stronger uh, recognition of women. But we have yet to pass the Equal Rights Amendment. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, no equal pay for equal work. Mm-hmm. I mean, so we've gotten nowhere. And a lot of um, the leaders of the feminist movement were Jewish women, mm-hmm. and. Um, the fact that they cannot, they, today, there is absolutely no support for the anti-Semitism that these Jewish women and others experience indicates the that they really have no, that whatever is left of the women's movement, again, cannot see beyond women. I mean, whether it's just, you know, the separation of the various uh, groups But I think it's beyond that it just has, they have been silenced and they have been, um, it's like it doesn't exist. And the women's movement again is just, a woman's movement has nothing to do with any other political or uh, social aspects. Uh, I think once we started labeling people, women, Christian, Jewish, black, white, you break down the issues. You're not focused on the issues anymore. We become divided by our differences rather than being enriched by them mm-hmm. and working on our commonalities. And I think if we can start looking at the commonalities and the needs again, labeling those and asking those to work on the issues, it might turn itself around. But division
3: is very divisive, as we all know. But then how
1: is it going to affect, like, I, I'm not... I've i never thought of anti semitism because I said I was not involved in this in this uh, in this movement. But the the older feminists definitely are are oh yeah the Jewish feminists the Jewish feminists this, did this and then the Jewish feminists are like well the black feminists are not did not recognize our our oppression too. They always like were they were invisible. They were oh no you don't have anything wrong with that. But then as I said it's now now left to us like that's not anything that I did identify with. I don't, I'm not going to be anti-semitic to a... a But
3: who's
2: saying that? You see, are those things being said to intentionally divide us? And who's actually saying those Mm -hmm. things? Mm -hmm. I think there's a bottom issue here is that we are facing a tremendous rise in anti-semitism and these same people who were led and Mm -hmm. came such a tremendous way because of Jewish women they, 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 nobody stands up for them. And in fact, they, they have become totally invisible.
1: That is really true. That is really, really true. I also, I can't remember exactly, but a couple of years ago, there was a conference, and
3: Jewish women and Israel were condemned at this conference.
1: And I mean, and this was like, you would never have thought that anything like that would ever happen, but it really did happen.
2: Well, actually, even Ms. Magazine
1: refused to
2: print uh, photographs of women who Israeli women who are accomplished. Uh, they they just refused to. They use some other excuse, but they refuse to print. So there's this, you know. So the here are the the founders who really we have built upon are being, you know, that 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 is, that that who they are made them who they, I mean, you know, their, their whole culture made them the activists they were, and yet they're, they've been just pushed out of the way. I mean, there are very few active Jewish feminists these days, and there's also, um, again, there is no support in that the feminist, feminist for the anti-Semitism. And I think that's what's so scary, is that, it's it's a repetition of thousands of years of cycles, you know. Whereas, uh, and, the, and the Jewish culture has always been there. I mean, that's one of the basic tenets, as I understand it, is that we help those, help others, not just ourselves. I mean, I think when we pray, we pray for the peace for the world, not for Israel only. Um, so that, it, you know, so that basically. I guess it's it just, to me, it has been very uh, frustrating. Phyllis Chesler addressed that in her book also, that here they were, they gave everything. A lot of them gave up their whole life or marriage and whatever because they believed so strongly in this. And yet, you know, it's come to, they don't exist with their own issues. You know, with, with, I mean, it's a generalized issue of anti-Semitism. And you would expect people, intelligent people, to see that and to, to provide some kind of support
1: for it. But I don't think, as I said, I don't think it's it's our generation, though, that's, that's doing that. It's still the, the, the it's still generation, generation. It's still your generation yes. that's still, it's 10, 20, 30 years down the line still. Uh, having all these quarrels and separations that if you could have dealt with, could have been helpful. There's some some comments that I've ha- heard for from, like, from black feminists and everything, and I'm like, whoa, like, what's what's this what's this about? Like, I've never uh, heard any anti-Semitic comments until I was at uh, Yisa, when they start saying all this stuff, like, you girl, you don't know what you're talking about. They're, then they start, I now get emails of, of the Palestinians and what's happening and these Jewish women. So I feel there's, there's still this negativity that's still there and just all this, this hate. It might not be hatred, but then it's like, well, I'm not going to work with you until you figure yourself out, and I'm not going to work with you until you figure yourself out. And there's still, no one's really figured themselves out. And even though they say they are, they are together, there's still so much separation that we don't need if we're going to work together to work towards um, just generally, the general well-being of women. And that's like, it's, being, it's like being passed on to us where I don't, I don't, uh, okay, I do, I I can, I can, I can see color, but Mm -hmm. I really don't see, if I see a young Jewish feminist and say, well, you don't go through the same things that I go through and whatever, that's not what Mm -hmm. I'm thinking I'm thinking of myself as more global, a global citizen, but that's what we have to deal with. Like, we need, this is something that the baby boomers might need to deal with before we can have a prominent feminist (laughs) movement now,
5: I think little comment to make about feminism. I was wondering I don't know much about it, but I was wondering my impression was if feminism as a word, as a category, is so brings such negative associations, in some ways why keep it? Why insist on using it to mobilize these forces? Mm -hmm. Why don't we just um, I do realise sometimes we need some abstract concepts such as civil rights movement to mobilize People and but here it seems to me that the concepts are not a problem, was the problem are specific practical, specific um, policies yeah. in specific situations. It's not about, I think everyone agrees, yes, equality between men and women, that's not an issue, but we need, how do we implement it? So then, if that's the case, why don't we just uh, create groups to resolve these issues and not that's use people. the word. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's, that's a great yes. subject to talk about. I, it, historically, from
3: the 60s to now, originally it was the women's liberation movement, yeah. and women were called women's liberists, which was derogatory. So I think that was when feminist, feminism began to be used again. Mm-hmm. And I think that that word got derogated by people like Rush Limbaugh, for example, the Feminazis. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just seems like any word is going to be made derogatory for a movement
2: that has opponents. Mm-hmm. That could be so an equal rights movement. I mean, that's that, that's, that's bottom really of what it there. is. Yeah. yeah. So you know, if that yeah. maybe 21. that terminology would be more effective. So why hasn't it passed? That's right. That's right. You know, and, and the thing is that I think there seems to be, there's so many other issues that come up that people sort of put things on the side, well, we'll go back to this. But it just, you know, the momentum was there then, and it should have been really fought harder, maybe. Um, I was was I didn't get to be a feminist until I was five years into my marriage and realized what it meant <laughs> and what I gave up. <laughs> you know, but I mean, I had no understanding. Of why would somebody want all of that? Because I I'm, I'm from Hungary and again culturally, you know, male dominance and that was how I lived my family life. So it was just totally an accepted thing. So.
3: I think an interesting
2: question, and I don't have a lot
3: to say about it, was because when you talked about it, I just started thinking about the Obama Clinton, and, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know. I mean, I, I voted for Obama, and um, thinking back, I can't I can't exactly say I'm sure why, but and I don't know how many <laughs> people
2: here? Well, some of you are not citizens, yeah. um, but um, how many voted here? I voted for Obama, but not because white or black. Yeah, I voted. Because of personality. Exactly. That's and, you I know, thought. and, and, but I, what, you didn't say, come all, I don't think I was afraid of a woman. You know, I mean, no, oh no, it was just but, a specific no, no, woman was, who was running, was yeah. not the person. The the
4: the person but you then heard. that would be a perfect next person. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it not can't be
3: one love right? <laughs> Do you
1: think you'll go back? I'm going to go back. I am going back. I want to be involved in politics as mm, mm-hmm. a part of That's great. But you know. That's part of the politics itself. You know. And so. I do. Mm-hmm. Are there a lot of female politicians in the public?
2: Um,
1: they have a female um, vice president. They've got like a president, and I think we've got four vice presidents. Mm-hmm. So they put a woman in there, of course. And a few women. The only positions that women held were um Ministry of Gender and Empowerment, and mm-hmm. yeah, so it's like little they've talked like little. You put it there, the women for because the women are saying they need it. This that's why we put them there, <laughs> and they're there, yeah. But definitely, there's still a need for more women, and probably maybe the reason why we have all these problems happening is well. no women involved. maybe extreme feminist are
3: right; they need all the politics and yeah. all <laughs>
1: talking like about that. When that that. women
3: were present with me, I always
1: Like yeah. Alex was mm-hmm. telling me about uh, Poland and how the the quotas.
4: Yeah. Well, we have a new legislation quotas um, mm-hmm. for the elections, and at first mm-hmm. women wanted it to be 50 percent. In the end, uh, there is thirty percent, and we are now approaching elections in October and um, yeah we can observe how they search for women because women do not want to enter the oh politics. Correct, yeah. so now they are hunting <laughs> to <laughs> find this 30 percent and you have on the election list all daughters wives of politicians <laughs> aunts mothers uh, sisters and they did some uh, interviews with the hidden cameras with those women who who are on the election list and they're on they're really, they're not that proper is. people to go into politics. Exactly. They talk about little kittens and the kitchen and <laughs> those stuff. So um, yeah, we have legislation, the, the law is there, but what we are going to do with that, it's... Is that because
3: there aren't any women who want to be yes, politicians? Yes, yes.
4: This is not, a, our, it's not yet our tradition that women go it's into not, politics. It's not there are some very, very prominent Polish politicians and they are really doing a great job, but this is absolutely not enough. And I think that this artificial way of including them, this is a dilemma, yeah, but yeah, so. Well, it's a question if the law comes before culture or culture, well, culture, law.
5: Yeah. 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 Because if you don't pass this law, then you could presume nothing, nothing will ever change. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. it is artificial, but it is artificial going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We don't have any of these
3: quotas, and theoretically we could have as many women as we want, but we uh, don't have very many, -hmm. even though they're, you know, if you think of the lawyers as being a source, I I think they have lots of
4: female lawyers, (coughs) 50 percent, yeah. Law faculty in Poland, really, 70 percent women. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, And you mm -hmm. think that politicians
3: Mm certain number, would come from there? Uh, but not in yeah, no, no, no. All,
4: none of my friends went into mm-hmm. politics. Mm. And, uh, another <laughs> interesting thing is that uh, from those of my colleagues who went into academia, it's like women go until they have their PhDs and that's it. And their colleagues go up to get a professor title and this is like a rule. It's really it's incredible when I, well, uh, the, the Members of the board of my institute, which is Institute of Legal Studies, uh, includes about seventy pro- law professors, and there are ten women out um, seventy.
3: Well, Unfortunately, it's more true here too. Yeah, yeah. the
4: women, more women,
2: PhDs in English lit. How many on the faculty? Right. No. How many of the head of the faculty? Well, let's not even we'll talk, talk about it. What percentage are women in? <laughs> faculty?
3: I don't know, but, and I don't know what it is now, know. because they put in, I, I don't know whether they were laws, or there were certainly policies, because mm-hmm. government money, they were able to use government money. In other words, if you accepted you know, grants, you had to prove that you
2: were mm-hmm. you know, uh, mm-hmm. trying to correct it. I mean, but so I don't know how effective it. it was. I don't well, know. In numbers. a lot of places, they were twofer. You would get a black woman, and then you'd yeah, kill both, both. both voters. <laughs> yeah.
3: So right? Even in this country, even though it's possible, it's, you know, it's many years. does not happening. There's a long way
4: to go still. I'm say that
3: I'm a, you know, a, I'm older than the boomers by a bit, and and my children are younger, you know, so they're about forty. So I don't know what to mm-hmm. call that. And you know, my son considers himself a feminist. He <laughs> <We>, would <we, we, laughs> My son is, but. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys.